Well, good morning, 11 a.m. It's good to see you. And turn to the person next to you and just say, just tell them, buckle up. Say, buckle up. <laughs> and uh, I, I say that jokingly, uh, kind of jokingly, because uh, I toiled back and forth all week. Okay, God, is this really the passage that we're supposed to share about this weekend? Because... Uh, Paul's going to speak pretty directly to us. Are you grateful that the Word of God, it doesn't, it doesn't just beat around the bush, but tells us exactly how it is sometimes? Sometimes it's the hard truth, but we're going we're gonna to get there this morning. You're like, okay, I'm going to leave now. No, no one leave quite yet. Stay here. But um, we're in a series called The Way Forward. Everyone say The Way Forward. And it's based out of this passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 3, where Paul says this. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Who's still on a journey this morning? I haven't quite got everything yet. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Haven't arrived quite yet, but I haven't taken a hold of it. What, this is what I do in the midst of that. I forget the things that are behind me. Amen. And I strain ahead towards the things that are in front of me. I press on to win the goal. Man, this is, this is our heart as a church. This, we talk about the way forward. We're going through... The, the letters of Paul, some of the letters that Paul wrote, and talking about the ways he encouraged the church to, to go forward. If there's a group of people that ought to be expectant, excited, looking forward, how many know it should be the church? Come on. If there's a group of people that believe that, it says in Ephesians chapter 3, a God that can do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And I'm not talking in the world standards. I'm not talking in, in finances or in status or any of those things. If there's a group of people that should be expected for a move of God, for God to do great things, for God to have better things ahead of us than what's behind us, it should be the church. And I think that God is doing a great thing in his church. He's doing a lot in the church right now. And that could be a whole other sermon of what, what God's doing. But we're in this series called The Way Forward saying, we're not, we can't drive the car with your eyes on the rearview mirror. Yeah, you got to look forward. What's God doing? Where's God taking us? Because I, I don't want to be stuck in past dreams. I don't want to be stuck in past hurts. I don't want to be stuck in past church experiences. I want to be where God wants me right now, at this time, with this season, looking forward to where God's, God's leading me into. And this is our heart uh, for this series, The Way Forward. And so we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to cover about 17 verses this morning. And uh, so if you have your Bible, you can, you can go, you're like, are you going to preach for a long time? No, no, don't worry. We're gonna, it'll go pretty quick. But at the end of the day, we're going we're to talk about what it means to think about things above. In fact, this is what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read the first four verses and then the rest of them, you're going to have to buckle up and wait for later because it's going to get good. Colossians 3 verse 1 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ... You should seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Pause. I slow down a little bit. I think it's a good practice for us as we go to the Word to just slow our hearts, to slow our minds, to read it slowly. Verse 2, set your mind on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. I love that. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, when you also, you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word. 
Lord, I thank you that you want to speak. I thank you that you've given us your word. I thank you, Lord, that when you called us on this great commission to therefore go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize, to teach, to lead, you didn't just say, go do it and figure it out. You gave us your word to show us how to do it. You gave us your spirit to strengthen and sustain us. And you gave us your church to have people to lean on. And so Lord, I just pray this morning, I guess as I was up early this morning praying for our church, praying for this message, Lord, I just, I just pray that what we're doing this morning is honoring to you. And that you look down at a group of expectant and hope-filled and people that have caught a glimpse of your love. And that we just want to respond to that mean to be people of hope. And so we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, as, as many of you know, I have a nine-month-old, and uh, you're like, you talk about him every time you speak. I know. He's going to be 18. He's like, Dad, why do you talk about me every single time you speak at church? I'm like, I don't know, because there's just too many good sermon analogies with kids, okay? So uh, we're, we're playing this, we're playing this uh, new game with him. He likes peekaboo, and this is the side note. Is there anything cuter than a nine-month-old that plays peekaboo with you? I mean, I just like melts your heart every single time. And so we're kind of in this, in this mode. It's been a ton of fun. He's crawling all over the place. And so we play different variations of peekaboo. And one of them is I'll like stand outside the door and like I'll stick my head in and I totally have a dad voice. Anyone else have a dad voice? And I'm like, peekaboo. And then like I'll go outside the door and then I'll go peekaboo and like he just thinks it's the funniest thing. Well then uh, he, he starts to learn that as I, we're playing this on Friday, if I step outside the door, he can move to a different part of the room. And so this is like a lot of, it's a lot of fun. So I'll go peekaboo and then I'll step outside and he'll start crawling and then he'll like turn around and wait for me to look through the door, like look where I'm going, dad, kind of thing, right? And so we're playing this game, peekaboo, and uh, I, I look inside and he's starting to go towards the electrical cords, right? Now don't worry, that's all safe. We've got it all baby-proofed, that kind of stuff. Now, this kid had the best Christmas of, you know, this is the first grandbaby in our family. So my parents are here. They blessed him. Grandma on the other side blessed him. Aunt uncles, people, you know, and this kid had so many great Christmas gifts. Yet when he starts to go, guess where he goes towards? The outlet. He goes towards the lamp. He goes towards the dirty laundry. He pulls the tail of the dog, right? Like all these toys over here that are unreal. And guess where he wants to go? The electrical outlet. And as I'm playing peekaboo with my son and, you know, I'm just, I'm getting ready to, to speak this message this weekend. The Lord kind of like, like nudged my heart. I kind of was like, there's this moment. It's like, hey, Taylor, that's kind of like you. God's got all these great things over here. The God's like, look at all these amazing things. And you're so into the electrical outlet. You're so into the things around here. And I just, I just think what a, what a great picture of what life feels like sometimes. God's like, I've got promises for you. I've got purpose for you. I've got future for you. I've got a relationship with you. Yet the news cycle is way too fascinating. Hello. God's like, hey, if you'll just look to me, I'll, I'll have put people in your path that you can love. I'll have a joy for your life. I'll have grace for your life. Yeah, but it's way more fun to scroll Facebook. The electrical outlets of life. God's like, hey, if you'll just look up, you'll see that you don't only just have a life here, but you have eternity to look towards you forever. And you're like, 
yeah, but this thing is more interesting. Come on, who, who, what's the electrical outlet in your life this morning? That God's like, if you'll just look at all these things, look at all the blessings I have for you, yet you're so focused on the electrical outlet. This is what Paul is speaking to in Colossians chapter three. He's saying, seek the things that are above. Everyone say above. Lift, lift your eyes up to the things that are not on this earth. In fact, uh, I'm gonna share with you four things this morning and it revolves around this main idea. We're talking about the way forward. The way forward is seeking God's reality not the distractions all around us. Pastor Daniel talked last weekend about the way forward is wisdom. Pastor Ray kicked off the series two weeks ago. I want to talk about the way forward is seeking God's reality, not the things around us. And this is what the Apostle Paul is doing in the book of Colossians. Colossians is one of his letters that he writes to a church. It's a new church. We don't know a lot about the church. Uh, He's speaking to them as they're beginning to launch in some heresy, some untruth, some false things have already entered this church in Colossae. And his point is, this is how you need to move forward. He's saying, you, you need to not think about these things, these heresy, Gnosticism, all these things you can read about in history, but you need to focus on the supremacy of Christ. In other words, Christ is all and in all, and he is the one you look to. And you need to focus on having good doctrine and good truth. And this is how you move forward. You lift your eyes up to Christ who is above. And so the first thing I want to say today is we're seeking God's reality. As we're seeking the things above, not the distractions of this earth, not the electrical outlets in our lives per se. The first thing we have to do is we have to reframe how God sees me. I have to reframe how God sees me. I want to reread the verse that I, I started off with. If then you've been raised with Christ, you should seek Seek the things that are above where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things of earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. For when Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Now, the right question after you read a verse like that is, I don't know what some of those things mean. If you're like, I don't know what some of those things mean, you just gotta know you're in good company because there's some things about this verse that might be a little bit confusing. I think sometimes church people, we just kind of fly by things and not really consider what they mean. The first thing was, you've been raised with Christ. You, you died and now you've been raised with Christ. Now, if for a new Christian or for someone who doesn't understand, that might be like, uh, I'm breathing right now. I still have a pulse. And as far as I'm aware, I've had a pulse for a long time. Like, I don't think I've ever not had a pulse. Uh, So what does this mean that I have died and that my life is raised with Christ? I'm talking to you about reframing how God sees you. We have to understand this. In Genesis chapter one, God created the world and it was perfect. He created everything we see and it was It was great. He said it was good. It was good. It was good. After all these things he created, he created Adam and he created Eve. And he said it was very good. He said, I I love these humans. They're the, like the crown of my creation. I want to be in relationship with them. Like side note, it should blow your mind that of all the things that God created, the fact that he wants to be in relationship with us above everything else is kind of a big deal, right? And so this is what God does. He's like, I created Adam and Eve. I love them. You guys, Adam and Eve, look at this amazing earth. I've created it all for you, for our relationship. You could just do everything except for one thing. It's all yours except for one thing. I guess where Adam and Eve went. The one thing that wasn't theirs. And this is what happens. The electrical outlet, yes. This is what happens. 
God, God says, this is just to show me that you'll still trust me as God. You, you can have all these things except for the one thing. And they go to the one thing and ever since that moment, they became, they wanted to become their own gods. And now that has been our human reality for the last thousands of years is we all want to be our own gods. This is what we call the in Adam. Everyone say in Adam. In Adam reality. That we're born on this earth in Adam. We're born into this sinful reality. And you're like, this doesn't sound very fun. Don't worry, it gets better. We're born into this reality. And I don't think I have to convince you by looking around at the world that we are, we are born in Adam inherently. Like we're, we're born into sin. We're born into brokenness. And so when, when we're raised with Christ, this is what happens. Uh, Christ now, the Bible says he's the firstborn of all creation. In fact, in Colossians 1, it says this, the son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. So in other words, you were in Adam, Christ came, he lived, he died, death could not hold him down. Now he rose as the firstborn and now we have the opportunity, are you with me this morning? We have the opportunity to be in Christ, to leave our in Adam sinful life and to step into our in Christ life being raised with him because he, he died the death we were supposed to die. And the Bible says, as we've been risen with Christ. So this is our in Christ reality. We have to reframe how God sees us. It's like, it's like you had to picture a picture frame and initially you were born, it was in Adam and we have to reframe that. And so now we're in, we're in Christ. We're in Christ. I love what it says in Galatians chapter two, verse 20. I have been crucified, what's it say? With Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I, I die to myself and I allow Christ to live in me. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, just so you don't think I'm making all this up. For as in Adam, all die. But also in Christ, so you choose, all shall be made alive. Love what it says in Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. And not just delivered us, but he's transferred us. You, when you say yes to Jesus and you're born again, you be transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son, both here and for eternity. So we need to reframe. If we're going to seek the things that are above, we have to reframe how God sees us, how God sees me, how God sees you. I've been raised with Christ. I love what it says that I've been hidden with Christ. I wonder who needs to know this morning, you've been hidden with Christ. Like, like in Adam, when they experienced sin and shame, they attempted to hide themselves. And now in this world, when we experience sin and shame, Christ hides you. You're hidden in Christ this morning. Like there's no more shame to go to the throne room of God. We can go to it boldly. He has grace and he has mercy for us, church. We're in Christ. This is in Christ means there's safety. There's no safety in finances. There's no safety in jobs. There's, there's no safety in a perceived future for your life. All those things could change in an instant. But let me tell you what, what is safe, what you can always count on, what is always a shelter to run home to in Christ. That's a reality no one can take from you. Your world could go upside down, but you're still in Christ. This is something to, to root our lives on. This is something to anchor our lives to. And I just want to just pause for just a moment. Aren't you thankful in your life for that moment when you just said, I, I am leaving my, I'm leaving the past and I'm leaving my in Adam life and I'm going to step into my in Christ life. I just want you to think just for a second where you were, what happened in that moment. For me, uh, I, felt, I felt the call to ministry on a Sunday night when I was in high school. 
At Calvary Community Church, the ministry was called Revolution at the time. Some of you that have been around Calvary for a while, like this is a long time ago. And I just remember we were singing the song, The Stand. And who remembers the song, The Stand? And I just, I just knew that I knew that I knew that God had a purpose for my life. And I knew that I was just gonna, I was gonna leave some things and I was gonna step into some things and I was gonna just allow God to use me in my life. And I'll never forget that moment when I said, I'm not gonna be in Adam, I'm gonna be in Christ and I'm gonna tell as many people about this as I can. Think about this in your life. Do you remember that moment? Maybe it was the moment of salvation for you. When did God just totally radically change your life? Was it after a crisis? Was it after a tough moment? Was it after you had come to the end of yourself and you were looking and Christ met you there? Was it during a church service? Was it during a conversation with a loved one? Was it in the dark soul of your life and you, you were in a room alone and God just met you there? How many know our God does that? What was it for you when God just met you the first time and you knew you would never be the same? That's how we have to frame our lives. If we're gonna seek the things that are above, we have to reframe our lives and see how God sees us and see that he has pursued us and now we need to seek him first. And so this is seeking God's reality. It's reframing how God sees me. The second thing is seeking God's reality. And this is where it gets, Paul's just gonna get in our face a little bit. It's that I have to repent of my old self. Now this is not very fun. No one likes to use this word very often. But I've been, re, I've been reframed. I'm in Christ now. But I, there's an opportunity for me to repent of my old self. And this is why I can't pursue heaven if I'm still holding the things on earth. I can't pursue the purposes of God if I still have some things on earth that are holding me. And so this is what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. Buckle up. Here we go. He says, you must put to death... Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which then he adds in, by the way, that's idolatry. Thanks, Paul. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Don't worry, it gets worse. You used to live in these ways and the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself. And here's some more things. Anger, Rage, malice, slander. Don't worry, it keeps going. Filthy language from your lips. By the way, don't lie to one another. Since you've taken off your old self, everyone say old self, with its practices, and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. Here, verse 11, and this actually was so fascinating, verse 11. Here there is no Gentile or Jew. There's not circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ who is all and is in all. Wow. Few observations. First one, I run my notes. Ouch. (laughs) I don't know how you read a list like that and don't go, yep, I've got some work to do. Paul says it's putting things to death. It's putting things to death. It's not just putting them away for a little while. It's not just saying, I'm going to not do this for a season. It's putting these things to death. It's putting them in the grave. I'm no longer going to pursue these things. They're not going to be a part of who I am. If I've reframed, I'm seeking the things that are above. I'm going to repent of the things that have got a hold on me. 
Some, some of us in this room, and I don't know, maybe this is you, that you're here and you're holding on to some things of the past while God's trying to take you to the future. And he's saying, you just got to start releasing some of these things. Like, if you want to step into all that I have for you, you can't, you can't have one hand holding on to something in the past. You've got to let go because what's ahead is far better anyway. But it takes this moment of repentance. And I love what he says in verse 11, uh, the last verse we read, that here there is no Jew or Gentile. In other words, it doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what country you live in. It doesn't matter what these are. You're guilty. He says circumcised or uncircumcised. That was just a big issue in the day, in the Greco-Roman era, was circumcision or not circumcision. In other words, however you feel about the current issues of the day, that doesn't matter. You're still guilty. And then it doesn't matter whether you're the servant or you're the master, you're guilty. <laughs> That's what Paul says. It, it doesn't matter all those things. Those that become in Christ need to step away, need to put to death the things of the past. And I don't know when you read these things like sexual morality and impurity or lust or evil desires or greed, idolatry, anger, rage, meanness, slander, filthy language, lying, and just go, yeah, there's something on that list for everyone, I think. When you study the word repentance, as we study the Bible, the Bible is written in two primary languages, really three, but it's going to be too confusing to explain. Hebrew and Greek. In fact, your Old Testament, the original translated language is Hebrew, and your New Testament is Greek. And so as we study the Bible, we go back and we look at the original languages to get truer, the truest form of what happens. So as you read the Greek of the word repentance, it means the change of mind. This is, uh, the Greeks were known for their Gnosticism, knowing how they think about things. And so the Greeks, they said, if you're going to repent of something, you change your mind. So you look at the Greek, then you look at the Hebrew and the Jewish people, they were, they were interested in the actions you were going to do. So repentance wasn't just a change of mind, it was a change of direction. So literally repentance in, in, in Hebrew means to turn. Repentance in Greek means to change your mind. So what does this mean for us? Repentance means to change your mind and to turn and never go back again. This is repentance, to say, God, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, please forgive me. These have maybe been elements of my life and I need to bring them before you and say, I'm sorry. And I'm gonna move on from it. I'm gonna live into my new self, not into my old self any longer. Uh, January 1st and 2nd, we took... Um, we have a college on site here, partnered with Northwest University, and um, we took our college students up to uh, a conference, and it was an incredible time. Well, there was a speaker, her name was Jenny, and she was speaking, and she was beginning to speak about confession. She said, if you bring things into the light, that's where healing can come. Things that are hidden, uh, th that's where just like you live in the secrecy and the shame. But when you bring things into the light, grace comes and your community comes. And, and she's just sharing these things. And you're like, that sounds really good. And then she stands up and sh she says, hey, everyone stand up and turn to the person next to you and tell the thing that God put on your heart right now. Wow. <laughs> Could you imagine this morning? But I was like, okay, amen. Before you go, would you just stand real quick and would you turn to the person next to you and just share the thing you're struggling with? I'm not gonna do it. Don't worry, no one leave. It's okay, right? But it was this moment of like, wow, do I believe that or not? And her point was, you don't have to elaborate, but just the, the, 
the, the voicing, taking a minute just to voice, this is what I'm sorry, this is where I've been wrong. Please forgive me. God, I need your forgiveness. And confessing it to one another, that's what James says, you confess your sins to one another, then you'll be healed. Live in the light and, and just you repent of your old self and, and you move on. You know what that room felt like? It went from really, really tense, oh my gosh, what's about to happen, to freedom. Just the Spirit of the Lord came into that place. And you could just tell that people that have been carrying things for years got to release it unto the Lord. Release this thing that happened to them or release what they did or release this thought or release these things. And there is this freedom church. I'm just trying to tell you, if we're gonna seek the things that are above, we need to repent of our old self. And God is not up in heaven saying, how dare you? It's not this angry God waiting for you to repent before he loves you. No, he loves you so much. He's got open arms for you. In fact, the Bible says this in Romans chapter two, it says, it's God's kindness. I want to say kindness. It's actually God's kindness that leads us unto repentance. So God's not up and saying, I'm really mad at you. You better repent before you come home. No, it's I want freedom for you. I want joy for you. I want a levity to your life for you. And this is freedom. When we repent of our old selves, so we reframe how God sees us. We seek the things above by letting go of the things of earth. And the third thing is this, seeking God's reality is we, we refocus, we reframe, we repent, and we refocus on virtues that matter. We refocus on virtues that matter. In fact, as we seek things above, there's just some truth that what you look for, you're going to see. And what you think about, you will become. This is the Bible. It says this in Proverbs, as a man thinketh, that's the King James Version, as the man thinks, so is he. The battle really is in your mind, how you see things, how you focus on things, allowing the word of God to shape how you think. And the problem is we get so distracted on the things of earth that we have such a short attention span on refocusing on the things of God. And so it's not just us reframing how God sees us, not just us repenting, but it's us continually, every single day, refocusing on the things that matter. We were talking over lunch this week that studies have shown that human beings have the attention span of a goldfish, sometimes even less. And I think it's partially because of this, of this world we live in, the social media world where you can scroll and scroll and scroll and things are just so quickly. I think it's TikTok that you don't even have to scroll. It just automatically goes to the next one. Uh, we live in this fast food culture where you can get your food in two and a half minutes. And if it's slower than that, it's like, wow, why's it taking so long? We, we live in this culture where you no longer have to go to libraries or encyclopedias to learn about history. It's within some of you are holding it and some of it's in your pocket. You have access to all the information that's ever been in the world. And it's now, it's now, it's now, it's now. And we, we have such a short attention span. We get distracted on so many things. We have to refocus. We have to rethink. We have to refocus, refocus, refocus because we're easily distracted. And this is what Paul says, if we keep reading in Colossians 3, these are the things that we're supposed to focus on. He says, as God's chosen people, you guys holy and dearly loved, you should clothe. This is, this is like robe. Robe yourselves with compassion and kindness. Hear these words. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. 
you have grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things, put on love which binds together in perfect unity. And he says, let the peace of Christ, let it rule, let it be first in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace, so be thankful. Could you imagine what would happen in your life that instead of focusing on the last list that I read, you focus on this list? What would happen if we were the types of people in our lives that we had compassion? In other words, our hearts broke for the same things that broke the heart of God. What if we had a kindness that wasn't normal? A kindness, by the way, kindness is the fruit of the Spirit. So when you have the Spirit of God in your life, there should be a kindness that comes from your life. What if we had a humility that valued others more than ourselves and we just had that viewpoint and everywhere you went, Others before me, others before me, others before me. What if there is a gentleness? This is a big one for the church right now. I'm just saying Calvary, but the church, Global Seed Church. I think sometimes we get into this, this place of just counting people out. Oh, they're not quite where they need to be. Oh, they don't quite think about it the same way I do. Or they don't quite, and we count people out. Is that gentleness, church? No. It's gentleness and it's patience. It's giving someone the grace to fail a couple times and having the forgiveness to still be there. Having the kindness to still be there. And then love, which binds people together, the Bible says. And then this peace that rules in your hearts. Wow. And then this thankfulness that comes. I know for me, as I read that list, I I mentioned gentleness. I also wonder if there's someone in here that needs to focus on forgiveness. Becoming a forgiving person. The Bible says that we just read it, that you should forgive as the Lord forgave you. How about, God's forgiven me of a lot. How about you? So when I think about all the ways God's forgiven me to just extend that same forgiveness to another person, it's huge. What are those words is something that the Lord, this Lord speaks to you this morning? I think it might be different for a lot of us. Some might be compassion, some might be humility, some might be peace, forgiveness, whatever it is, but I want to refocus on those things. You don't have to replace your thoughts. So if you're going to get rid of one thing, if you're going to repent of one thing, you have to replace it with another. And maybe someone in this room, you need to repent. I'm just using this as an example. You're going to repent of anger. So instead of that moment when anger comes, you're going to now walk in kindness and forgiveness. When, when you have a, a malice or you, 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 reach, you, you reach out in some way because of how frustrated you are, what if now instead of that you repent of those old ways and you walk in the new way, the new way in Christ in patience? Because I think it leads us to this. The last thing, I'm landing the plane this morning. It leads us to recommitting to intentionality every single day. When does reframe how God sees me? I don't just repent of the old ways and then replace them by refocusing on other things, I, I recommit to being intentional every single day. I love what it says in Colossians 3, let the message of Christ, this is where we're going to end these last two verses, let the message of Christ dwell within you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs in the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And verse 17, catch this. And whatever you do, everyone say whatever. 
Whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's this recommitting to intentionality every single day because I realize that nothing in my life is mundane. When you come and know Jesus, everything in your life is a spiritual opportunity. When you come and know Jesus, everything that you do is now in the name of Jesus. It's this intentionality. It's that when you go through the Starbucks drive-through, you're not just there to get your Americano with cream and two pumps of white mocha. That's my order in case anyone's wondering. I said that last night and Pastor Daniel brought me an Americano with white chocolate and cream this morning. I was like, the Lord is good. Come on, do that more often. <laughs> and uh, my lunch order is, no, just kidding. <laughs> but now I, when I'm at Starbucks, it's not just that I'm getting my coffee anymore. I'm there on mission and intentionality to make sure the person who gives me my drink feels loved that day. Because everyone else has been rude and complained and said, I can't believe you forgot this in my drink, even though there was a really complicated order. I just get to say, you know what? How was your day today? How can I pray for you? I say that sometimes. Hey, I, I know I'm about to go, but is there anything I can pray for you? I'm, I'm a believer. And they're like, uh, yeah, pray for my dad's in the hospital. Okay, Jesus, would you bless her dad? Why? Because I see that every part of my life now has intentionality. I do all things, even ordering Starbucks, all things. Maybe in your job, you, you answer the phone a lot and you're on the phone all the time. And the way that you talk to someone and the kindness and the patience you have, how many know reflects Christ? Maybe you're a, a teacher or administrator. My wife is a school teacher. She, she teaches sixth grade English. She loves it. Some of you are like, you're like, how does she do that? I don't know, but she loves it. And she sees her job every day as a way to, to show the love of Christ to her sixth graders. So much so that we're on Christmas break and they're like, Mrs. Ford, uh, home life is really tough. So grateful that I can email you. How are you doing? Question mark. That's the love of Christ. Has she ever said the name Jesus in her classroom? No. But what is she? She is Jesus to them. She's the only Jesus they might ever see. And so her kindness and her love, it reveals that everything that she does, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's recommitting to this intentionality. You work in an office. Now all those people are now your mission field to love and to care and to be with. The call is to seek the things that are above. To, to pursue. I love that he uses the word seek. It's to intentionally look up. God's pursued you. God's sought after you. Now, will you lift up? Where's the electrical outlets in your life this morning? What are you saying? God's got all these amazing things for you over here and you're so focused on just crawling over to the same electrical outlet over and over. It's funny in our lives, they never really satisfy us. They never really fulfill us. God always fulfills us. These things always let us down. We have this propensity to wander back. Well, the call this morning is to get and lift our eyes back up and say, God, I'm seeking you once again. There's this article I want to end with. Just listen to this this morning. An article in a San Francisco newspaper reported that a young man who once found a $5 bill on the street resolved that from that time on, he would never lift his eyes again while walking. 
I mean, you're walking and you find a $5 bill. Like, who knows, I'm gonna keep my eyes on the ground to see if I find another $5 bill, right? So then this article goes on to say that over the years, this young man accumulated among all the things 29,000 buttons, 54,000 pins, 12 cents and a backpack. Oh, by the way, he also picked up a miserly disposition. He gained all these things, $5, 29,000 pins, 54,000 buttons, all these things, but he lost something. He lost the glory of the sunlight. He lost the radiance of the stars. He lost the smiles of friends and the freshness of blue skies. And the article goes on to say, I'm afraid that some Christians are like that man. While they may not walk around staring at the sidewalk, they're so engrossed with the things of this life that they give little attention to spiritual and eternal values. Perhaps they've gotten a taste of some fleeting pleasure offered by the world and they've been spending all their time pursuing it. But that is dangerous. And catch this, when God's children are seated, as we read today, seated with Christ in the heavenly reality, they give their affection and attention to the world that is passing away. They lose the upward look. Their perspective becomes distorted. They fail to bask in heaven's sunlight. So, taken up with the baubles of the world, they become defeated, delinquent Christians. They have buttons. They have pins. They have pennies. Oh, but no treasures laid up in heaven. We're so focused on the pins and the pennies and the buttons. Oh, but God's got all this up here for us. Where's your disposition this morning? Is it down? Trying to see if something on this earth will satisfy and try and come through for you? Or is it up on the promises of God, seeking the treasure of heaven, that is Jesus? Corey Ten Boom says it this way, famous order. She says, look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed. Oh, but look at Jesus. Seek the things that are above and be at rest. Who needs peace this morning? Who needs rest this morning? Seek the things that are above. Therefore, as God's holy people, reframe how God sees you. Because he sees you as in Christ when you say yes to him. Repent of the things of the past. Refocus on the godly virtues that he's calling us to. And yes, let's recommit to intentionality every single day. Amen? And let's pray this morning. Maybe you're here this morning. I don't, I don't believe in random chance. I don't believe in karma. I don't believe that things just happen because that's how they're... No, I believe that there is a master creator and designer behind everything in this world. And I believe that you are here this morning at Calvary Community Church at the 11 a.m. service on purpose, not on accident. And God brought you to hear this scripture, to worship with these songs, to be alongside of these people. Maybe you're not even from the area or maybe you're newer to the area or maybe you are watching online right now and you're just, you're supposed to hear these things today. And you have been seeking the things of earth and you have been let down over and over. 
And God brought you this morning because he want you, wants you to say yes to him and to allow him to come into your life. And then the Bible says you can leave your old Adam life and step into the new Christ life full of purpose and grace and forgiveness and just the journey that you'll never regret. If you're here this morning and God brought you here and you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time or you need to say yes to Jesus again and recommit your life and you're here this morning and you'd be so bold to lift your hand to heaven. No one else looking around except for me so I know who I'm praying with. And you would just acknowledge, yes, I I need to accept Christ in my life. If that's you this morning and you're ready for this journey, lift your hand and say, that's me. Sure, your hand and your hand and your hand and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. Yes. And yours. God loves you a lot. He wants you to seek him. He sought you right now. This is a moment you, you're not gonna forget because he sought you. He loves you. And now he's saying, lift your eyes up and seek him. What, a, what an incredible response of the spirit this morning. Second people I wanna pray with is if you've, been, if you've been just so focused on the things on, of earth and you wanna lift your eyes up this morning, who would just wanna say before God, God, that's my commitment this week is to look up. Would anyone else be bold enough to raise their hand before God and say, yes, that's me. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for your word that it speaks and it teaches for this first group of people, these eight or nine hands that raise their hand to say, Lord, I wanna commit my life to you. Lord, I know that that hand represents their heart turning and changing. I thank you that we can leave our in Adam life and we can step into an in Christ life that's full of all these amazing promises and truth. And Lord, I pray even right now as they've said yes to you, they're making heaven their home but now they get purpose for this life. And so I pray, Lord, that you would surround them with other Christ followers, whether it be here at Calvary or other places where they would have Christ followers that would continue to hold them uh, accountable and continue to walk with them and continue to lead them and continue to show them what it means to follow you because truly none of us have arrived. Some of us are at the beginning of the journey. Some of us have just been journeying just a little bit longer, but we're all still beginners in what it means to know you because we will never fully understand you fully. And we're all just on this journey to deeply know your love more. And Lord, I pray for the second group. I raise my hand with them. We don't want to focus on the things of earth. We want to lift our eyes up to heaven. And so we do that. We raise our countenance. We raise our eyes up to the one where our help comes from. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand with me. We're going to sing one more song before we go this morning.